Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, September 12th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a federal program is trying to find weaknesses in the state's power grid for updates. Then, how higher education can help reduce recidivism in state prisons. Plus, part two of our conversation with Black Mustard Seed, a nonprofit seeking to help folks who can't afford diapers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Roughly $12 million is being allocated to Mississippi for improvements to the state's power grid. The funds come from the Federal Grid Resilience Grant to aid states with identifying and correcting weaknesses in power distribution. Our Lacey Alexander speaks with Central District Public Service Commissioner Brent Bailey. He explains how these funds are expected to be used and what can be done to correct weaknesses. We continue to look at the effects of, of extreme weather events and just age on the grid. And as a customer um, expectations continue to evolve, and our goal as regulators to ensure that customers have the most reliable, resilient, affordable energy and other utility resources possible, then we're certainly appreciative and understanding of the opportunities that these grant dollars, these monies that are coming down to the states, to further enhance grid reliability and resilience across the system. What unique aspects about our state make us a good target for this grant money? Number one, of course, is our location here in the heart of the South and our coastal location. You know, Hurricane Day, I'm, you know, just um, it could have took a turn to the left and could have come right up through the center of Mississippi. That did not happen. Our hearts and or, you know, our prayers certainly go out to those impacted over the Big Bend area of Florida. But we are no stranger to extreme weather events and storms, whether it's hurricanes, whether it's tornadoes, whether it's ice storms um, and others. And these are monies that can potentially be utilized and leveraged with the investor-owned utilities, rural electric cooperatives or municipalities, leveraging their additional resources to make these dollars go further and doing things such as uh, vegetative management practices, uh, the grid hardening, uh, smart systems on the grid to further indicate where there are outages or to restore those outages much quicker, understanding where new load is coming on the system, and what we can do to, to increase capacity for that to reduce the stress in that segment of the uh, system. 
Mississippi is certainly not as prone as other parts of the U.S. when it comes to fires, things like that. Uh, but, you know, hardening the system uh, can have multiple benefits across various extreme weather events. And so, uh, you know, we're excited about having these, these resources here. Uh, we're certainly encouraging our utility partners to evaluate where and to what extent these uh, resources and, and dollars can be utilized in those areas, whether it's un- underserved areas or, or low income or, or vulnerable markets, to ensure that frequency and duration of outages are minimized and that reliability is maximized. Speaking of outages, I believe late June we saw some outage issues after a, a few storms came through the state. What could grant money like this and what could the infrastructure updates that will come from this grant money, will that be able to prevent those mass outages like we saw from Entergy a few months ago? So the mass outages, June, the June storm events were certainly unprecedented for the scale, uh, the frequency and the, and the um, uh, severity of those, just a different storm system every other day, it seemed like, for over a three-week period. And they just sort of stacked up on top of each other. That That's real. Now, there were some challenges that Entergy uh, faced and dealt with as far as their automated distribution management system, their software platform, some communications with customers, and all those are going to be worked on and resolved. But uh, to, in the future, if we do have that type of severe, severe storms, some of the dollars could go to weatherization of, of the system, strategic undergrounding of certain above-ground um, power lines in those areas that may be the most vulnerable. Uh, certainly upgrading the monitoring technologies out there, understanding when and where the outages occur and how to further direct resources. And also vegetation management in the state of Mississippi is always something that has to be dealt with. We're, you know, we get a lot of rainfall each year. We're in a, you know, a coastal climate area. Things grow well and they grow fast and they grow big and tall. And vegetation management, tree trimming is something that uh, has to be dealt with every year on a cyclical basis. And perhaps we can uh, enhance that with some certain technology and understand where those trees are growing faster, where additional vegetation management more aggressive vegetation management needs to occur to reduce the threat of outages. The press release that we got from the feds said that hopefully this money will also go to, quote, growth of the skilled workforce for grid resilience activities. From your perspective, what does that potentially look like? How could this grant money improve the workforce that we have working on our power grid at this time? What we've seen already are community colleges working with utilities, both investor-owned and cooperatives, uh, further enhance and grow their alignment, alignment education capabilities, as well as uh, others that can participate in the bulk power system delivery process. And as we see, you know, the, the workforce in, in this sector continue to, to get older in attrition and retirements and other things take place, you're just leaving, you're losing tremendous uh, knowledge sets and experience and institutional knowledge of how these systems function. And it's going to be important to, to have this next generation of uh, workers skilled, uh, ready to go, ready to step in and fill the gap where vacancies may present themselves because the delivery of electricity and virtually any utility is a 24-7, 365 operation. 
and you can't have any downtime and, and you got to be ready and prepared at times of extreme events that are pending or that, you know, surprises us. Just because you have a, a, a thunderstorm watch does not mean that it could ramp up fairly quickly, as we saw back in June. Planning preparation, execution of your plan, again, putting in systems and technologies where provides a great broad benefit to the customer base, in our view, are generally always going to be wise investments. Brent Bailey is Mississippi Central District Public Service Commissioner. Coming up, experts say higher education can help reduce the number of repeat offenders in state prisons. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Please join me and my colleagues for the Mississippi Arts Hour, where we have in-depth conversations with different creative Mississippians. That's the Mississippi Arts Hour, Sundays at 5 on Think Radio, or download it as a podcast. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Many young Mississippians who become incarcerated have limited access to higher learning after release. Experts in criminal justice reform say they can lead to higher recidivism rates. A meeting of prison advocates and state agencies is underway in Raymond this week to better coordinate ways for young incarcerated Mississippians to access higher learning. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Yolanda Houston, director of Mississippi Consortium for Higher Education in Prisons. She talks about the conference and what is being done to close the gap in education access. Well, this is our second uh, annual convening, and one of the things that we are focusing on is um, student support, most importantly. Uh, our students that are impacted by the justice system, they deserve a second chance as well, and exposure to the same uh, services and classes that our students in our traditional schools are receiving. So this is an opportunity for uh, all of our stakeholders to come together, uh, discuss best practices, what's going on nationally, regionally, and how we can continue to make an impact on uh, education inside of our prisons. What ages are y'all focusing on for this event? This uh, event is for our practitioners, those that are working in our community colleges, our four-year colleges. We have people here from the Alliance for for Higher Education in Prisons and uh, other entities around the country that are visiting with us, the Vera Institute. So um, this is an adult setting. However, our primary focus is our students in the state of Mississippi. What do you think it means for incarcerated young Mississippians to be able to have access to a higher education? This will give them the opportunity to be productive citizens if they are to reenter society. Um, As I state all the time when I'm talking across the state, these individuals will be our neighbors. Um, We want them to be productive uh, citizens in society, be able to take care of themselves and uh, families if they have families. But most importantly, um, they'll be able to uh, go back into uh, the workforce and uh, just reduce um, recidivism in the state of Mississippi. 
I imagine having that higher education is a powerful tool for somebody to make sure that they can have a job and not have to go back to whatever got them in uh, incarcerated in the first place. Right, and that's very important. If we decrease recidivism, increase employment in the state, um, that's a win-win for those students. It's a win for the state of Mississippi and uh, all around for everyone. Um, we have more productive citizens. We have happy citizens. Uh, prayerfully or hopefully uh, decrease crime in the state because if we're all busy doing those great things in the state of Mississippi, then um, every student, every person will be successful. I know the state has taken some steps in recent years to try to expand access to education for those who are incarcerated, but do, what do you think Mississippi could do more to try to reach folks that are behind bars and don't have access to the same uh, education opportunities that we might have as uh, free citizens? Well, one thing, they could also reach out to the consortium uh, to find out more about the work that we're doing with our colleges uh, around the state. Um, we're not only working with our colleges, we're working with nonprofits, uh, reentry programs throughout the state. So we're focusing on not just the end, but what can we do to support our students from beginning to end in this work. Um, they could reach out to the consortium and become a member of a subcommittee if they're interested in the work. They could also attend the convening, uh, which would be nice. Uh, we're here until 2.30 tomorrow. Um, feel free to come in and take part of, in a session. What are you all going to be talking about specifically? What are the planned panels that you all might be having? Yes, we have a student support panel. Um, we have a panel that will discuss uh, the new FAFSA, uh, Pell Implementation, building uh, relationships uh, with educators and our Department of Corrections, uh, technology in the classroom several hot topics, uh, things that are important, especially the technology piece. Um, that those students must have that same exposure as our traditional students. So um, that's a few of the topics that we'll be discussing. What do you think it's going to take to get more people across the state involved in this mission to help get young people educated and get them out of the cycle of recidivism? Uh, become involved. Um, first of all, uh, understand uh, the cycle, uh, this continuous cycle, uh, the pipeline from, say, the cradle to uh, prison, um, and what can different organizations do um, to utilize their resources to come together with the consortium to uh, make this a better environment for everyone. In your time doing this work, what's it been like? Uh, have you been able to talk with young people that have come through the system and been able to benefit from having an education? It, it has been life-changing um, for me to be uh, inside of the facilities, even if they have not been released uh, from those facilities yet. It gives them an opportunity to do something um, rewarding, uh, to set an example for themselves and for their children, if they have children, uh, and their families. Um, it's, it's been a very rewarding opportunity for me to listen to them. Do y'all work specifically just to try to get young Mississippians, or do y'all work across the board to try to help anybody that might be incarcerated get access to a higher education? They are eligible to be a part of a program, then yes, we're here to serve anyone that is eligible to be in one of our programs, yes. What does it take to get behind bars, to be able to have access to those people and begin that conversation towards a higher education? It takes um, a lot of people working together. We have an excellent steering committee. We have uh, excellent stakeholders, a Department of Corrections, institutions of higher learning, community college board. Um, 
Humanities Council, Wilbur Hines Education Foundation, a diverse group of individuals that are fighting for the same cause. And we build relationships uh, with those that are working in those correctional facilities and just listening to them and shouldering some of the responsibilities. And with us being here, we have the resources to aid them in providing those resources for those students. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you'd like to share with Mississippians about the work y'all are doing here today or other projects y'all have going on that might be coming up in the future? Just be open-minded about uh, what we're doing in this program. This is good work um, to allow somebody to have a possible second chance in society and to be a part of that. Uh, it's very rewarding. And just come to the table and listen to what we're sharing. Yolanda Houston is director of Mississippi Consortium for Higher Education in Prisons. Coming up, it's estimated that one-third of folks in the state can't afford diapers, and a local nonprofit seeks to help those in need. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks to our sustaining members who provide ongoing monthly financial support. You can become a sustainer, too. Go to mpbonline.org and click Donate Now at the top of the page. MPB's next Workforce Wednesday program is Wednesday, September 20th. Our speaker is Dorlisa Hudson from SR1, making education, health, and technology available for all. She'll share information about her organization and the Beginning Farmers Program for New Farmers. Register to participate in person or virtually for the next Workforce Wednesday event from the Education tab on mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Many Mississippi families live near or below the poverty line, and around one-third of people who need diapers can't afford them. We're speaking with Shakitria Fitzgerald and Jackie Posey, founders of the Natchez-based nonprofit Black Mustard Seed. They work to help folks get access to clean diapers, allowing parents and guardians to focus their spending on other important expenses like rent and groceries. The women say the work began while they were at their local sheriff's office working, trying to help members of the community access these essential items. Because we share the National Diaper Bank Association um, with Delta Diaper Bank. We're servicing the lure from Jackson, Mississippi um, down, but we also go across the state line to Concordia Parish. So we serve a pretty significant area of, of, of southern region. Do you have vans that you travel in? or you Do people use them on personal cars? How do you manage? We don't have vans. We have to use our personal vehicles. We do have, most of the ones from out of, out of our county, either they buddy and they pick up for the people that live near them, especially the one in Centerville. They have probably about 25 or 30 people. So a church comes once a month and pick up for all the people in Centerville that's a part of our program. We do travel to their health fairs and other events that they hold. We do travel there. What makes you so passionate about this? For me, it's being a single mother, making minimal wages, having to take care of a child, to make the decision, do I 
do for my baby or do I pay bills, or pay insurance? Yeah. What's more important? For me, it was to take care of that child. Uh, same thing with my mother. When she got sick and she needed adult products, I drove from Natchez to Jackson once a month to pick up a month's supply that I purchased from Sam every month. And I know how much it costs. And I understand when you're trying to make ends meet and if you've had just a little help, it would make a difference. For, well, for me, it's access. And I think Jackie knows for me it's always access. If there are no real channels to get you to the resource, oh, we have resources, oh, we have this, oh, we have that. Well, how do I get to your resource if I don't have a mechanism to get me there? If I don't have a way to get me there, that's, that's, that's step one. Step two is how do I rise above this? You know, for our senior citizens, that's different. But for our young mothers who are experiencing this, who's going through this, who can't go to work because they got a baby at home with no doctors. They have to call out. Oh, you've already called out, so now you don't have a job. Well, they're already low-wage jobs. They're, you know, they're, like she said, minimum-wage jobs. And they're um, robbing people to pay Paul. And and now this, I don't have a job because I can't take kids. I can't get these diapers that I need. To, and people don't realize that's a real issue when you don't have money to buy diapers or even period products for your for your team that's in, that's in high school or elementary school. And so now you happen to stay home with this child and uh, do the best you can. So how do we get, for, my, for me, it's it, it, because, again, I was that parent. How do you get from this low-wage, minimum-wage job with these issues with not being able to afford these personal hygiene products so that I can go to work, make money, and do the best that I can, and you can go to school? Well, to me, access means uh, a variable of education and understanding, and um, and even if it's just um, resource, you know, referrals, um, bringing them in and speaking with them about educational opportunities. Um, have you ever had a career assessment? Have, because we're doing the various things in the community, but also I like to be able to offer them these opportunities to say, hey, um, I've always wanted to go to school. I've always wanted to do that. Well, look, we can assist with that. I, I can't pay for you to go to school, but I can definitely walk you through this process of, you know, getting a skill set, obtaining a skill set, you know, um, if, even if it's just one step above where you are. How do people find you know, out about you? Facebook, word of mouth, newspaper articles. And how many people do you think you serve? Right now, our town is probably right at 600, growing. Each time we open the door, we're getting new people every Tuesday and Thursday. Not only did we start the... Um, did you retire, or is this now your job and your contribution to the community? Black Mustard City Community Service Group, but I left the sheriff's office to start a family-owned small business, and that pretty much feeds into the Black Mustard City. So me leaving was, I would say, Jackie, was kind of a plus for Black Mustard City because we are able to be more flexible than if I was still there. Well, I still work out. Oh, I semi-retired. I still work for the sheriff's office, but I work three days a week now instead of five days. I would say the time that she and I worked together, this is what we did anyway. We were doing toys for tots, uh, securing food boxes, and it was just something that we wanted to continue. 
outside of the sheriff's office if possible. And it came down in order for us to be members of the National Diaper Bank is really what kicked it off. It had to we had to be a non profit. So the sheriff's office is not didn't qualify, so that's how we created the non profit. Well you must be really good friends to do this together and to continue this work. Well we believe in service. And we want to be good stewards. We want to help where we can help. And it's not that we have an abundance. We just make it work and the Lord provides. That's right. I was just saying, in, 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 in case in point, we do extend. Um, we do extend our hand. Quite a few times, Jackie, I would say beyond our boundaries, but we always seem, there always seems to be enough uh, to right. carry us through that month or through that uh, issue of week or and so um, she's exactly right. Um, just service first. We, we do what we can do, and we get out there. And, yes, we are good friends. I believe that in order to be to do the work we do together uh, at times, you know, at least me, you know, we have to stop and listen and just kind of realign. And, and I think that's the biggest thing about being friends, the biggest thing about working together is that realignment. When Jackie say, okay, you too far out there, I pull back in. <laughs> Shikatria Fitzgerald and Jackie Posey with Black Mustard Seed. We appreciate your time. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.